every single month. You're going to have a little bit extra cash flow. So that's the general way that I think of debt. If it's going to make you money, it might be a good thing. If it's not, don't do it. Save up for it or buy it. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Um, today, we're sitting down with Calvin Wayman. And for those of you guys that know Apple Kreider at all, you guys know that I'm a huge personal finance nerd. That's how I got started in the world of social media, personal branding, all that good stuff is by making personal finance videos on YouTube. So today, I'm having somebody on the show who shares that passion in personal finance. So the episode's kind of like 50-50 split of like the first half. We're diving pretty deep into personal finance. Dave Ramsey um, is a topic that we're talking about a fair, a fair bit because this guy was actually on the Dave Ramsey show, which is crazy. Um, never met somebody on the Dave Ramsey show before. So super, super cool. Um, and he has his own personal philosophy when it comes to um, sort of personal finances as well. And it was super interesting to dive into that with him and really hear how he's been able to pull from different areas and create his own personal finance philosophies. And then we sort of transition into the entrepreneurship side of things because he's gone from um, solving his own personal finances, getting from $53,000 in debt um, to debt free in about two years to now teaching other people how to do the same thing, how to take control of their finances and turning that into a business in and of itself. So then we're diving more into the digital courses side of things and how he's been able to monetize and grow that. So if either of those things are something you're interested in, you are in for a real treat. Um, And without further ado, um, I'm going to welcome Calvin Wayman to the show. So whether you guys are walking the dog or at the gym or whatever you are doing on this wonderful day, I want you to sit back, relax, plug in and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money. All right, Calvin, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Brother, doing super well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So Calvin, our listeners got to hear a little bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that aren't super familiar with who you are and what you're currently working on right now, can you give us a quick like 60 second snapshot of where you are in time right now? Sure. So it's been about four years since I quit my day job cold turkey, jumping into this whole entrepreneurial thing. And um, it's a mix of things. So from a, I guess, personal growth and like t- taking steps outside of there and like sharing more of my story. I've been sharing more how I actually grew up in polygamy. I have one dad, four moms, and I'm actually one of 45 kids. And I'm not joking with that, which is wild, right? Yeah. So some people that doesn't compute with like, like what? So yeah, so I was afraid to share that for a long time in my entrepreneurial journey because I didn't know how it would translate, but it's, but it's just the truth. I was homeschooled all through high school, never stepped foot inside of a public school till I was like 20. And it's just been a, quite the long road to the point where I'm like, you know what, I want to step away from that. I want to be an entrepreneur and all that stuff. And what I've been working on mostly the last, um, the last year or so, I'd say, is something I call Prosperity Loop. I'm passionate about helping entrepreneurs, particularly young entrepreneurs or people new in the game, to get their finances right. Because mm-hmm. if they can get their finances right, then they can make their impact. I feel like there's that sticking point where they have their dreams and their ambitions and the impact that they want to make, but there's something that's not totally clicking with their income. And I was certainly there as well. And after going through the financial struggle, being $53,000 in debt, and eventually paying that completely off and saving a decade, uh, I want to help younger and newer entrepreneurs do that same thing. So that's what I'm working on and passionate about right now. 
Mm, I love it. I love it. So let's sort of flash back in time to like middle school, high school, early upbringing. And like when you first got started in the world of entrepreneurship or when you first like got that entrepreneurial bug. So is there any projects you were working on at an early age that really stand out to you? So it's funny you ask. I haven't had a lot of people ask me that on podcasts, but so I grew up on a small farm Mm -hmm. in my upbringing, like my big family grew up on one big house and everything. And how my upbringing was, it was very strict. Like it was, you couldn't really go do your own thing unless you were going to like sneak behind like your parents and like go do something. And I remember I always wanted to figure out some other way to make money. Hmm. And so some of my early entrepreneurial itches was when I knew the parents were going to be preoccupied, me and one of my brothers would go and <laughs> we would get, we'd sneak some stuff out of the cellar and then go sell it door to door. <laughs> so we'd go sell fruit, we'd sell eggs. And then later on we would start selling like the corn stalks for Halloween decorations door to door and then selling pumpkins and stuff like that. So that's where it started was just finding anything that we could to sell and then going door to door and offering it for money. <laughs> that's wacky. So like, when did you develop that interest in finance? Because I mean, clearly that's where your main focus is right now. So when did that start developing? Was that like the same time when you were like, how can I make money and then what can I do with it? Or, or did that happen later? It happened much later. It happened it happened from living in a in the darkness of finance. So I didn't learn about money growing up uh, at all. And one day my wife came up to me and she said, it's showing two lines. And I was like, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? What's showing two lines? And she showed me this stick. And I don't know if any listeners are understand what I'm talking about. It was a pregnancy test and we were pregnant. And that was a huge day for me because in, a, in, a, in that moment, when you're going to have your first kid, that's usually a time where you would think you're like totally excited. But if I was being honest, I was terrified out of my mind. And I was terrified because I knew that we were not doing well financially. But that was the day that I like said, holy crap, if I'm having a, a kid, where, where am I at financially? And I went and dug deep into my finances to see where I was. And it was not a good situation. I had all sorts of debt from student loan debt, credit card debt, uh, business loans, stuff that I probably shouldn't have invested in like for a short buck. And I was all, all total, I was around $53,000 in debt. And it was scary because I still, I not only had all this responsibility, but I had ambitions. I wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur. I wasn't at the point at that point. And I was like, well, how am I going to if I'm stuck and things like that? But what that moment did is I made a decision. I made a decision that day that I was going to figure it out. If there were so many people that were successful as entrepreneurs and successful with their money, then I knew that if I became committed, then I could figure it out too. So again, I just read everything I could on money, but because I was in the situation I was in, I couldn't just read about it. I had to actually apply it. And so I started to apply certain principles and started to see it work. And then I started to see it accelerate. And then again, long story short, I ended up getting out of debt much faster. I was supposed to get out of debt in 12 years based on the level of debt that I was in and the amount of money I was making. But I got out of debt in a little over two years. So I saved a decade. 
ended up on one of the number one, the number one actually, uh, radio station on personal finance in America called the Dave Ramsey Show. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, so I shared my story there. And throughout this whole process and going from how enslaved I felt and getting to the point where I had that, that sense of freedom when I got to hit enter on the last debt to wipe it all out and having all my friends around me at the same time when I did it, we did this cool thing like I'm paying off my last debt right here. And just that, how it just felt like I was, all this weight came off of my shoulders and the shackles were off. I was just, yeah, it just, it just changed me. And I was like, I want to share this with other people. So that's what I've been doing for about a year and a half. Awesome. So I got to ask you, man, how'd you end up on Dave Ramsey? How'd that work out? Um, a big portion. So I, I pieced a lot of different things together and ended up creating my own kind of ideology around finances and the way you set up your money. But, but Dave Ramsey was a huge influence. Um, I have, I would say like a little bit differing views now where I think the way that I teach personal finance is a little bit more abundant, let's say versus scarcity and fear, but he did have, um, a nice impact. And so I can't remember what was happening. I was like scrolling through Facebook and I saw something like a debt free scream. Mm -hmm. So I just clicked on it and then it said, do you have a debt free scream? And I just clicked yes. And like put in a form and then they reached out to me and it was like, and because after reading my story and they're like, yeah, we want you to come on the show. Wow. I mean, I mean, that just shows like you just gotta, you just gotta put your name in the hat sometimes. Like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. What's the old quote? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So exactly. yeah. I love it. So um, when it comes to personal finance, what are some of like the cornerstones for you? Cause I mean, I'm super personal, passionate about personal finance as well. Um, so like credit cards, you positive or negative, like what is, what are your core philosophies? So my core philosophy, I would say is, yeah, a few of them. I think most people are, are barking up the wrong tree hmm. when they're starting to fix their finances. For example, I'll tell you an example of where most people go and then I'll focus on what I think is at the base. It certainly was the case for me and other students that I've helped. Most people say, I have a bad financial situation, therefore I need to just go make more money. So they think that's just the solution is if I just make more money. But if you dig a little deeper, there are many people that make more money and actually don't end up in a better situation. Oh, right? absolutely. You've probably heard of what happens with lottery winners, right? <laughs> it's gone within 18 months. Exactly. It's insane. Like millions of dollars or people that leave the NFL with millions of dollars. Yeah. And it's even crazier. Like in America, when the average person gets a raise, you would think that's a great thing. But when, the average person gets a raise, their net worth goes down. Now, how is that? Well, because they, they get in deeper in debt and stuff like that. So what I learned really quickly is it doesn't start with more money. And the core value that I believe in is it's not just about math. It's not just about doing the smart thing. It all begins with your behavior. Oh, it's 100% yes. with your habits. So that's what I try to do is before we focus on accelerating the process or adding more zeros to the end of it, get the habits in place 
that once you have those in place, you can bank on them and they're going to help you for the rest of your life. And then once you add more money to the equation, it's going to amplify and be a positive compounding effect versus just leaking out and going somewhere else. So that's what I would say is the biggest thing is focusing on behavior and um, habits versus just making a short-sighted decision or focusing on just the smart thing to do. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when it comes to money, I just see so many people acting so irrationally that if you just try to rely on the numbers, you're not going to really get a full picture of the situation. You're not going to really be able to really help someone in the way they need to be helped most of the time because the people aren't thinking in terms of just numbers. They're thinking in terms of, of feelings and of emotions. And yes. that's what I see so many times is just that getting wrapped up and people neglecting like financial planners, neglecting to even like think about like the psychology that goes into things um, as opposed to just the numbers. Yeah. And just go deeper. Like there's so many funny things. Like people will say, I bought this, but I saved on taxes. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you're like, if you take a step back, you're like, really like show look at the net net like usually they spend a dollar to save 30 cents and i'm like no you you spent that yeah <laughs> we do all these things and then there's these tricks like i bought these boots because they're 70 percent off no you spent 250 dollars. i can help you save a hundred percent off by just not buying them. you know just different things like that um yeah it's it's super interesting and I think one of the things that opened me up to realize that I was focusing way too much on just numbers and math in the beginning is when I first came across Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. Cause um, again, some people agree or disagree with it, but how the debt snowball worked is it you, when you're getting out of debt, debt list your debt smallest to largest and attack the smallest one, regardless of the interest rate. And, uh, I'm not even saying that I'm not even necessarily recommending that on here, but what was super interesting to me is that final piece. You mean regardless of the interest rate? What are you talking about? Why would it be regardless of the interest rate? And it's because it's not just about we're dealing with human beings. Human yep. beings are not just rational, logical yep. people all the time. And people literally got out of debt faster when they were doing the not smart thing to do but was focusing on the smallest debt. Why? Because you can knock it off, you build momentum, then you can take that smallest and go to the next one. It feels more manageable. You know, it may re give you a little bit of motivation to go, like go drive Uber for a little bit to take, make a little bit more money. And it just made me, it was just a light bulb moment that was like, oh, so money, being good with money isn't just about numbers. It's about what you do and your behavior. So what can I do to start to develop the proper habits that make me prosperous in the long run? So, Absolutely. So credit cards, yay or nay? Mostly nay. So I wouldn't necessarily say just cut them up, but my, I, I would take a step back and say it's about debt in general. So should you get in debt or should you not get in debt? The question is, are you improving your net worth or are you decreasing your net worth? I think one of the most silly things anybody could ever do, and it's what has kept the lower class and the middle class so stuck, is they get in debt on stuff that does not improve your net worth. In fact, it does the opposite. Whereas the wealthy people get in debt on things that will improve their net worth. So, for example, if you're getting in debt for a car, that's a silly thing because that's going down in value as like as long as you're driving it. So I'm a big fan of 
saving up or whatever to buy that thing in cash, you know? And what's crazy is if you're a little proactive, you, you end up saving or spending way less on some of these things because you're not having interest rate any or interest on it anyway. And it's crazy. It's like, if you make more money or you become more prosperous, you actually get things cheaper. And if you're poor and not making very much or you're doing poor financially, things even become more expensive over the long run. And so it's like a double whammy, right? So it's just like be a little proactive and you can save a little bit of headache. So if it is, so if it's a liability, if it's taking money out of your pocket, do not use a credit card. It's super silly. Don't do it. But I mean, this might be too far out there for a lot of people if they're like just getting started, but a good debt would be, let's say something like real estate, an asset. Mm -hmm. If, if you're getting money back, not just to buy something, but let's say you're going to buy a house that's going to have a renter in it. You're going to be on the hook for the mortgage, but if the mortgage is $950 and the rent is going to be... 1550 that's $600 or whatever, $500, $600. Uh, like you're going to get a little bit of uh, cushion. Every, you're going to get a little bit of added net worth every single month. You're going to have a little bit extra cash flow. So that's the general way that I think of debt. If it's going to make you money, it might be a good thing. If it's not, don't do it. Save up for it or buy it cash. Hmm. Totally with you on that. And the distinction between like smart debt and not so smart debt is something that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. But but like you said, like if it's for something like real estate where you're going to be creating an income from that, then that's awesome. But if it's for something like a car that's going to be decreasing in value or to like spend money buying like clothes or like yeah, jet and skis. I think <laughs> And I think we got to be weary about it too because it is so easy. Like credit cards are so easy to get. It's so easy yeah. to uh, – like furniture companies, for example, make it so easy to like – 12 months interest free, get all the furniture you want, but maybe you get a little bit more than you needed. And so I think we have to be like, just think about it for a quick second and be like, it's a liability. If it's not making me money, then it needs to be totaling cash. And you will make different decisions, by the way, if you're paying it in cash, because oh, yeah. it seems like if something's a $2,000, but you could get it on a payment plan of only a hundred bucks a month, like, oh, easy peasy, I got it, it's only 100 bucks. But if you're like, oh my gosh, I got to fork over 2,000 right now, maybe I won't do it. Maybe something that's 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks will suffice. So I think it just shifts your behavior, which is what we need, right? That's one of the reasons I'm a big believer in cash on liabilities because it is self-governing. It will self-govern your behavior to make you be the smartest in the long run with your money. I, I could not agree more. And also what you mentioned about monthly payments, so many people, so many young people, especially like they're, they're stuck thinking in terms of monthly payments, like their Netflix subscription and their Spotify subscription has like rewired their mind into only thinking in terms of monthly payments. So if they hear they can get something for 20 bucks a month for the next five years, they're like, Oh, it's only 20 bucks a month. I can afford that for sure. When in reality, they're not thinking about the fact that that's thousands of dollars. And that's why you got to focus on that worth too. Like, what's this doing to your whole financial picture? Yeah, it's only a $300 car payment, but did you just sign your name on something that's $25,000 in debt? Like, yeah. And, and then, again, it becomes, you don't see what it's doing in the long run and how expensive it actually becomes. So, yeah. Do you, um, you, you mentioned cash. So are you 
dealing in like physical cash? Like, do you, is that part of like the, the, the philosophy you follow? It used to be, it used to be. And I like that at the beginning because of you physically hand it over. But mm-hmm. what I've learned is I don't think it's so much of physically handing it over. I would do something like put food, put cash in like a food envelope. Mm-hmm. But what it really did is when I was paying for food, it made me realize how much was left and that for, specifically for food and it self-governed my, what I was buying for food without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. But something I do now, for example, this is kind of fun for anybody that's on video. This is a debit card. Do you see what it says on it? Oh yeah. It says food. <laughs> it says food. So I have like a couple debit cards for some of my regular everyday purchases that <laughs> I just do it based on that. So if I'm going to the grocery store or whatever, I'll whip out that and just and that just keeps me again curbed spending what I should be spending on food because I have a debit card that's dedicated specifically for food. Hmm. That's that's super interesting. Like I, I like all the like the, the methods you've put into like really self-govern yourself because instead of like relying on like your willpower or like your decisions that you have to make, you're kind of just auditing your environment and making sure that your environment isn't letting you make those decisions. Yeah, that's my problem with a lot of these services and things of people like tracking their spending. Sure. And, and I'm like, because I used to do that too. I used to spend hours and hours tracking. And then I realized even when I got so good at tracking, like I was spending like at least an hour a day, like just making sure my numbers were right several hours a week. And I realized, okay, I tracked it, but it's already done. You know, what's going to help me in the moment. And maybe it will give me a huge awakening at the end of the week. It's like something's got to change, but I wanted to have a system that is self-governing in the moment. And when I can pull out my, debit card or look on my bank account and see how much I have specifically for food, for example, then it just self-governs me right then. Hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm all about is like helping you in the moments of your decisions so that you're not having to focus on willpower. And I, and, and at the same time, you want to be able to have fun and not worry so much and spend stuff completely guilt-free. Like I have something that I call FU money that it doesn't matter what I spend that on. If I could buy a lottery ticket, like one of the worst things ever, like that's just just for fun, or I could go gamble, or I could go and just buy my favorite shake at a Shake Shack, like it doesn't matter. And so I think it's important to do that too. But if you and if you already plan for it, if you've set it aside for that thing, you know it's not taking out of your entire financial plan. Exactly. So what made you want to transition into teaching people once you've gotten your finances under control? um, Why'd you make that pivot? I think I've always felt good about transferring value to somebody else. Uh, I mean, and honestly, I'm an entrepreneur. So as an entrepreneur, I, I saw it as an opportunity and see that it's, there's a huge need for it. And I'm still in the, it's, it's still a fun challenge for me because I'm still trying to find out my hook and my angle to like get a larger group of people that have gone through my, to go through my program and stuff like that. And so it's fun that way. But as an entrepreneur and as somebody that's in, I'm heavily influenced by entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk Mm -hmm. and he's huge with giving value And that's something that I can give value on because I've gone through it. I can relate. I've been with you, my friend, like whoever's going through the struggle. I'm like, I was there. 
but not only was I there, I can also show the blueprint and I can show like the video of me on Dave Ramsey giving my debt free scream and them seeing like there's a way out and not only beyond the debt, but beyond the life that I'm living now, traveling more, speaking more, doing stuff with my book, getting on some um, stages, doing my TEDx talk and kind of being an example to the generation that's just a step right behind me to show them that this is real. This dream and ambition that they have, they can actually go after it. And that just feels good. Hmm. So when you're doing all these different things, how do you maintain your focus? I know you mentioned a couple of different things right there between speaking, between your book, between what you're doing with teaching people. How do you balance your focus between all these different things? With something that I call a weekly reset and my morning routine. And then probably the third thing is something I call a recalibration. So let me break this down. So yeah, this is something that I'm, it's a constant battle. Like where should I be putting most of my focus? Like I made the decision fairly recently. I was noticing that I was like putting a little bit too much time on things like podcasts and stuff like that. Not that that's bad. I do a three day a week show, but I was like right now where I'm at in my business, where I'm at in, in, in the, in the board game of life and business, I need to be putting more focus on revenue producing activities with that. And and if something's not going to be producing revenue within the next 12 months, then I need to be limiting it. So I'm putting 80% of my focus and time on things that are revenue producing. And so how do I manage all that? Well, one thing that I think is huge is a vision. So you need to have a vision of where you're going in the long run. You can call it a year in the future. You can call it five years. And so I have a vision and how do you get a vision where you can, you can guess, you can sit down and get in silence and like get honest with yourself. And what I do is once a quarter, I do something called a recalibration. And that recalibration is getting recalibrated and with alignment with what I want out of life and what I'm going after. So once a quarter, in fact, I have one coming up in about two weeks because I do it at the end of every quarter. And it's where I disconnect from everything from the world. I turn off my phone, no text messages, no social media, literally no responsibilities for like two or three days. And it is epic. It is, I couldn't recommend it enough. Like when I first did it, I was like, how am I going to do this? I don't have time. I got to be busy. I got to be doing this stuff. But when you do, the world's going to be there when you're, when you come back, but doing this has helped me like crazy with picking the things that I should be focusing on for that next quarter. Now, now that I have the vision for the recalibration that comes from my recalibration, I do uh, what I call a weekly reset. And a weekly reset is at the very end of every week. And I'm not perfect at this. I'm probably like 80 to 90% of the way there. But when I'm 100%, it's really crushing. So I sit down. And with that weekly reset, I reflect on what I've done this past week, but then I also look forward what I want to create with the coming week. And it's all based on what my big vision is. And I might've broken it down from like the longer vision to like what I'm doing for the next month. Mm -hmm. So when I just, when I did my last one, I'm like, we're still in June as of this recording. So I'm like, okay, based on my long-term vision, I have these goals for June and based on those goals for June, what am I focusing on? for this next week. So that helps me stay focused. And then every morning, part of my morning routine is getting recentered of what's next based on my vision. So I might look at my vision 
and might look at the thing, the next few things that I'm going after, and then just get centered and focused with my intentions for the day and say, okay, this is what I want to get done today. So that's the bigger picture and how it gets down to the moment, to the day to actually execute on what I said I want to do. I love it. So has that vision changed for you over time or has that been pretty consistent over the last like year, year and a half? There's some things that have changed and some things that have evolved. Um, for example, one thing that has stayed the same is since I quit my day job, I've been so committed, like as far as like teaching finances, I think that gives me such a huge rise, just, just showing somebody that something's possible in general. Like I love showing possibility. I love showing this is where like whatever you're dealing with, I get it because I've been there. And so that's why I even started to share more of where I come from growing up in polygamy, being one of 25 or being one of 45 kids that never stepped foot in a public school till I was 20, 21. And one of the things that has stayed the same is when I quit my day job, I started my journey of showing me make my first $1 million as an entrepreneur. And to add to the stakes of it, I was like, and I'm going to start growing a beard and I'm not going to shave until I make my first $1 million as an entrepreneur. So I've been doing that. So people that see me with a beard, they know, okay, so he's still in the journey. And I have a YouTube show called Making the Millionaire. And so people can go like watch it step by step. And as it's happening, because so many successful people, we, we see their story and they may even tell how where they come from, but their stories were always told after the fact. And I think that makes a little bit of a disconnect. But what I hope to create with this show is when I finish making my first 1 million, literally people can go watch it step by step and see me before I got my first client even, before I made a single dollar on the internet, you know, and see me make my first, but my first $7, my first $10,000, my first like, you know, $100,000, my first several six figures, you know? And so that's a goal that's still there that has stayed consistent for about four years. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting closer and closer every day. Uh, just in transparency, I'm about 50% of the way there. And um, the other crazy goal that I have declared on that show that I have literally no reason to even know how it's going to happen, but I just say it because I believe it's possible and I want people to be able to see okay, he made this goal before it was even anything. And so maybe that will give them permission to dream as well. But what that goal is, is when I make the million and my beard's about ready to come off, I actually want to go on the Ellen DeGeneres show and have Ellen shave my beard. So <laughs> that's my big audacious vision that I've been, that I'm going after right now. And then several things that I've adjusted are just things that honestly, as I've been in the game, I found more joy in some things versus the other. Like I used to think that I wanted to get on all of these shows and stuff, and I still do, but my focus is less on getting on the show and more on me getting really fucking good at what I do hmm. and just making impact in the circle that I can make impact on right now because I know that if I can take care of my circle of influence right now, then those things will just happen as a byproduct. So. Awesome. So one thing that I'm curious about as well is with, with the stuff that you're doing on YouTube, especially 
um, it's very clear to me that you're, you're a pretty transparent guy when it comes to yes. like the good and the bad. So share with our listeners some of the struggles because like, I think it's really important to dive into that as well, especially because we have a younger listener base here. So like, what have been some of like the big struggles that you've been facing either recently or just overall that you think it's important for the young listeners to hear about? I think that's one of the biggest things that I wish I would have realized at the beginning of my journey is that struggle is normal. Like, deep, dark, really bad struggle is normal. Cause I would look at people like that I admired and I would say, I want to be like that. And I would, and I started my journey. And as I got in it, I was like, Holy crap, I'm hitting to all these roadblocks. This is hard. And I think the first thing to know is when you hit into that, that's good. Cause it means you're on your way. Now, what helps you with a lot of this? Well, I think having a good mindset will help, but this is what I want to say around mindset. Mindset is not just crafted by books or even podcasts frankly what we can do with this podcast or reading a book is help you get started but where your mindset is really formed is in context what i mean by that the only way you can develop context is by being in the game of something and so if you're gonna get better at something you need to not just read about it or be on the sidelines you need to actually be in it so that's the first thing I would say is when you hit into that struggle, when you go after it, congratulations, you will feel isolated. You will feel alone. Just let me tell you, you're not and know that you're on the path, but there's been so many brother. Um, I remember one of the first things that I did after quitting my day job is I wanted to really develop thick skin. So I moved from Utah to Southern California and went and did door to door sales. Uh, and it was my first time never having a boss and stuff like that. And it was all on me. It was 100% commission. And the only way I was going to make it is if I made money. And I had many times where I went like 40 to 50 doors every single day, door after door after door, just slammed in your face, getting nothing. Just one day of that's brutal. But imagine two days of that and you're still going strong and door after door slammed in your face. And then three days, door after door, door slammed in your face. And at the same time, you have bills to pay and things like that. And there were times where I went upwards of seven days with nothing. So like you, at that point, you're questioning everything. You're questioning life. You're questioning your ability to make anything happen. And so that was, that was a huge struggle, but I learned some really cool lessons in that. And one of them was if you just make the decision that you're going to make it, then things get a little bit easier where you're like it, because before you're like, Oh, I'm just hoping it gets better. I'm just hoping it gets better. But I, I remember making the decision I'm fucking going and I'm going to make it period. And when I made that decision, it just made the struggles a little bit easier because I knew I wasn't going to stop. And if I knew I wasn't going to stop, then I was ultimately going to make it. And doing that is what made me break through. And remember having that mindset shift and then having my first $10,000 a month and stuff like that as an entrepreneur. And I was like, heck yeah, this is freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, I think every new level, you face that. Because you you hit this stage, what I call being a fish out of water. I actually wrote a book on this. And fish out of water is something that I don't think is talked about enough in entrepreneurship. 
because we to get told the, the steps to get from A to B or to get to your goal, but we're, it's not talked about enough that you're going to hit this stage where you feel completely out of your element. You feel like you can barely breathe. You're going to feel like a fish out of water. And the reason you feel like a fish out of water is that's not your element. It's something you have not done before. And that is normal. And every successful person goes through that fish out of water stage. And I've been doing it like this year, the last several months, I've been a fish out of water again, you know, like, cause I've been transitioning from my social media agency uh, and doing more of the one on one live training with the finances to doing more building a program for the prosperity loop uh, financial program. And that's something I'd never done before. And I'm figuring out how to make new revenue streams out of that. And I'm betting on that, that it's going to work. Meaning I'm like even letting uh, revenue streams from my social media agency dry up and end to put all of the focus and pressure on myself to make this prosperity loop thing work. And it hasn't like totally cracked yet. And that's a struggle. That's a mind F, you know? And so I'm still going through it. So hope that kind of gives a little context to show that, even entrepreneurs that are in the game, they still deal with it. So whenever you jump in and you hit those struggles and you deal with those pressures, just know that you're not alone and you're on the right track. Mm, that was necessary. I'm sure that really resonated with a lot of people. I'm glad you, glad you opened up and shared that. Yeah, you're welcome, brother. All right, Calvin, I got some questions now that I do like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. So are you feeling ready for those? Hit me, brother. Let's do it. The first of which, and I'm sure you got a lot of answers for this one, but what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? It could be in your business, in the wider realm of really anything, but like what's got Calvin Wayman fired up? Do you know who Andy Frisella is? Yeah. Have you heard of his program called 75 Hard? Yeah. That's exciting me right now, like crazy. So I'm doing 75 Hard, and for anybody that doesn't know what it is, it's a wow. mental toughness challenge. Because again, like what I've learned throughout a lot of the struggles and everything is you can't just really wish that life gets better and like easier. You can, but at the end of the day, like if you have two buttons to push and one of them is if you push this button, you become a strong mother effer that you can handle anything that comes your way. And button over here is you push it and everything magically is easier for you. What are you going to push? You know, and I think if people push this button that makes everything easy, they're not really going to be happy ultimately because they're going to feel out of control. But if you know, no matter how rough life can get, that you can dominate it, you will run in and just handle the situation. You're going to have a ton of confidence and you're going to be really happy. And so what 75 hard is, is it's 75 days of really just mental toughness and building self-trust. And you do like two workouts every single day, 45 minutes each. One of them has to at least be outside. It's drinking a gallon of water. It's reading 10 pages of a good book, sticking to a diet, no days off, no alcohol, and then taking a, pro a progress pick. And so that scares some people hearing that two hours, two workouts a day. Some people say, oh, that sounds doable. But the tough part is just sticking to it and doing it the whole 75 days. And if you mess up even a little bit on any of those, you go back to day one. So I'm just, <laughs> just deep into that right now. And I'm excited to see what the, what it looks like uh, on the other side of it. That's amazing, man. I know a lot of people that are doing that right now. And um, it's something that's, that's on my radar might happen. Eventually we will have to see. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a commitment, brother. So it's yeah, like make sure the timing's right and everything, and not necessarily jump in right away. But yeah, if you want to do it, then it's something that will really push you. I, I'm sure of that. Um, Calvin, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business, your lifestyle, or just things that you do on a regular basis? I would say two things have helped me a lot, particularly as an entrepreneur, because of what we talked about already, struggle. And when you hit things, it's very easy for your head to get loud. And so two things that have been a consistent habit that have helped me process things and to quiet things down is journaling and meditation. Hmm. So journaling is probably the longest habit that I've had because I've been journaling almost every day since I was 17. Wow. And that's a ton of fun because how I journal, people say it's good to like write it down or whatever by hand, but I actually journal on my computer because I can just do it really fast. And that's fun for me because it's easy to like go search and like I can see what I was doing five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, and it's just really cool to watch the story build. Um, but journaling really helps because again, just process what happened that day, what's on your mind and then meditation like learning how to not be so attached to every idea that pops in your mind and just sit there and observe it. And if anybody hasn't tried meditation but wants to get in it, I recommend checking out some sort of guided meditation. There's really good apps for that. Two recommendations is there's one called Headspace that's good, and I like Calm. Mm. So that's C-A-L-M, so just Calm. And they're like 10 minutes. So just sitting down, doing nothing for 10 minutes, and then they walk you through it. And yeah, those two things have helped me quite a bit. I love it. Well, Calvin, you've been dropping so much value on this podcast. I'm extremely grateful for that. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. Where can they go to follow up with you, learn more about you and what you're currently working on right now um, and all your different projects, Prosperity Loop, all that good stuff? The very best place is Instagram. So if people are on Instagram, uh, yeah, check me out there. Feel free to send me a DM. If you give me a, a bones, like the bones emoji, and maybe a microphone, like I, I'll know that you came from this podcast, and then I can just say what's up. So yeah, Calvin Lehman over on Instagram, that's the best place to check out what I have going on and the best place I hang out. Awesome, awesome. Well, Calvin, again, it's been a pleasure. I'm extremely grateful for you choosing to spend your time here on Young Smart Money. Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to wrap up the show with here today? Yeah particularly a young audience or people that are looking to get in the game, I would say out of everything that we talked about today, the number one thing that you can do to be successful is to do what all successful people have done. And that is join the CIA. Now, what, what do I mean by that? I don't mean to go join the secret service. Success comes from taking consistent, imperfect action. You know, it's easy to get in your head and wanting things to be just perfect before actually stepping on the court and going after it. And I would say, get in, get messy, just take consistent, imperfect action, and you can't help but win. You heard it, guys. Go out there, join the CIA, and thrive. Calvin, thank you so much, man. It has been a pleasure. Super grateful for you, man. Thank you, brother. Take care. Have fun, guys. 
Bada bing, bada boom. That is a wrap, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of Young Smart Money. If you did, you know what to do. Um, drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. I literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up, fired up every single morning. So if you take the time, literally it's like five seconds to drop a review. If you're in the podcast app, literally just go to Young Smart Money, scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom. There'll be a section that says write a review. If you could drop me all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns, I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them um, and I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if you all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast, turn it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's a little bit more than a cheat sheet. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm um, getting completely free. Just head over to applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. That's applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't ask me to spell it though, because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecriter.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet. How I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently at five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it because I see these guys making videos on YouTube, teaching you like the, the bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download. Link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day, wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on Young Smart Money.